0: Well, oh, good morning. It's good to have you here. I think I welcome most of you at the door, which was good to be able to do. I don't usually get that opportunity to church services to do that because I'm too busy doing other things at front. But it was good today to be able to do that. And we as a staff, we want to thank you. Uh, you've done some amazing voluntary ministry in the church. You've been faithful, you've been energetic in your ministries, and it's really appreciated, it's really been noticed by us and by others in our community too. And you're showing your love for God. And you're showing you want to please Him. And that's really important for all of us. You see, the goal in all serving is not to be noticed and to be praised by other people. The goal is what God sees. An audience of one. And sometimes we can serve and sometimes you can do things and I can do things, we can all do things that no one else sees. And we think, oh, am I being appreciated? We don't need to think that way. We want to remember that God sees what we do and we want Him to be pleased with what we're doing. An audience of one is what matters. But how does that translate out into 2019? Another year. Another year of ministry. Another year of serving. How can we have that attitude of enthusiasm and excitement that we we want to as we go forth this year? We can, but when we hear some stories and review what we're doing, that really stimulates me and encourages me. I hope it encourages you also. And there's going to be challenges, challenges to us as we have opportunities to work for God and how we're going to go through those challenges. And success is not going to be measured by numbers. Numbers of people, numbers of events, numbers of what's happening, or the amount of activities we do. That's not success. Success is going to be measured by our growth and the growth of others around us in Christ. In Christ. That's what's really all important to us as a people of God. And so we're looking at the letter of Ephesians. In the Ephesian church, in this letter... We see encouragement in our service by having the right mindset, the right way of thinking, the right way of approaching what we do. Let's have a look at it. Chapter 1, verse 15. And Paul begins here by non-stop thanksgiving for the service, the ministry of the Ephesian people. Verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus... And your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. Paul's heard about them. And for this reason, because as we read earlier in the chapter, it talks about we're chosen by God, we're predestined by God to be adopted as sons and daughters through the forgiveness we have in Jesus Christ. And their faith. They're people who are relying on Jesus Christ as Lord. They're relying on him for forgiveness and submitting to him as leader of their life. An expression of that faith is a thanksgiving for God saving them in Jesus Christ. It's like in the olden days you used to write a PS and a letter but you don't do letters much nowadays but it might be a, a follow-up text, you know, like saying Thanks. Um, often I find they do that I you know, ask someone that, can they do something they reply back they can I thank text back look thanks very much that idea and that's what our service is for God because he's done stuff for us we're not going to influence him by um, earning our way to heaven or future merit from him but we're going to be people who keep saying thanks to God and the best way of saying thanks is to serve him and serve his people and that's what it talks about. Your faith and your love that goes with faith. We know love is a part of faith and love are connected. We looked last week in Philemon about that. And, and faith is knowing uh, what God's done and knowing God's love for us and then responding with love for God and love for his people. Keeping the great commandment to love God with our whole being and love our neighbour as ourselves. Faith and love are intertwined together. And it's your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. Uh, I get distracted sometimes when I think about you know, St Peter's church or I think about St Mark's or St someone else's and it's so easy to think of just those first 12 disciples as the saints or to think of great ones in the Christian church as saints but forgetting that I'm a saint, you're a saint, every person who follows Jesus is a saint. A saint means just holy ones, someone who's dedicated their life to God, someone who's been forgiven in Jesus and accepted the leadership of Jesus in their life. And we're called to be holy people, living for God. And it's important when people love us and support us by that love as we live our lives for God or as our motto says, living lives for Jesus. And saints are people who are marked out Awaiting God's redemption, waiting God's um, taking us back to heaven, being, coming home to God. That's verse 15. Verse 16, he goes on to say, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And this idea of non-stop thanksgiving. And the thanksgiving is to who? It's not to them, it's to God. Because Paul recognises, as you and I need to recognise and keep recognising, it's God working through us. The stories we hear up here, the ministries that are happening, it's all God working through us. It's God transforming us. It's not our efforts. And that's an encouraging thing. Because today this service is not going to work because I've done certain things or the staff done certain things or or whatever it is. It's going to work because we've been praying and we're asking God to work. And if today works, it's because God's at work, not us. Yes, we're there, but we're not we're not a major player. It's God is the one who's the major player. We're just called to be faithful. In all our weakness, in all our difficulties, in all our struggles. We're just called to be faithful. You see, if ministry was to rely on how you and I feel, how much strength and energy we have, how much confidence we have, it would be all over the place. And I found, I learned a lesson a long time ago in regards to lifting weights. Uh, I've lifted weights for 40 years, more and I was at uh, the university gym with a group of guys from Moore College who were lifting pretty big weights and there was a couple of guys there actually uh, competing in the Commonwealth Games and Olympics. They were really big lifters. And, you know, we we're all lifting these weights. And I'd go down there some days and one day I went down there I Just oh, I just didn't have any energy, just didn't want to be there. I was only there because Al Stewart was my training partner and he was there and I had to be there and I was there because I had to be. I didn't want to be there. And I'm really lethargic and I'm, and I'm just having a talk. The next minute, Al says, come on, wanky. I didn't, I didn't go. The next minute, he's slapping me around the face. I'm laying down there on the bench press, the press I could. And he thinks he's standing out, bang, 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 bang. What the heck? You know, everyone's looking. This is Al Stewart, now Bishop Al Stewart. Um, and he's trying to get me motivated. And I got switched on after that. <laughs> and in fact, I had the best, best training day I'd had in you know, a long time. And, and I started to realise at that point, which was a pretty challenging point, but I realised afterwards, sometimes when you feel least wanting to do something, it's actually the best time you need to do it. And you can't, we can't really rely on how we feel, like whether we feel this is the right time to talk to that person, this is the right time to serve, this is the right time, because it just doesn't work very well. Sometimes we've got to say, well, hang on, what does God want me to do? And what's what's not just God, but what's right by God's people? Those two loving God, loving the people need to go together. What's my response to be here? How has God created me? Am I able to do this? Do I do it with other people? And then it happens. Because behind ministry, it's God at work and us being faithful. And Paul says he's thanking God, he's also remembering them in his prayers. Praying is an important part of remembering it's God at work, it's relying on God. And, and prayer is not just coming to God saying, look, you know, please help me with this service, please help me with this, please help me with this, please, please do this. It's not just requests. That's very poor prayer, if it's just requests. Because prayer is talking to God. And when you talk to people, do you just talk at them? If you do, you're going to have very poor conversation. In fact, people are going to get a bit sick of you if you just talk at them and don't listen to them and don't engage them. And you think God's very happy if we just talk at him and saying, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me We need to be people who listen too. And prayer is actually a, a, a time where we recognise who we are talking to. We're talking to the God who created us, that majestic God in the Psalms that we read about, an awesome God. And as we talk to him, we need to realise he knows everything going on in our lives right now and what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day. He knows it all. We don't need to tell him about it. What we need to do is surrender. Seek his help. Increase our love for him. Take away our fear and worry and, and develop our trust and our peace of mind in him. And that's what prayer does. Prayer resets our thinking. And prayer needs to recognise who we're talking to. Reminding ourselves of the scriptures, reminding ourselves of who he is. And also as we pray, is there anything not right with me? Why am I anxious and worried? That's not the right response. What's going on here? I'm not trusting God. I need to change that. Remembering who God is. Remembering what he's done. And so Paul's remembering them in his prayers. He's coming humbly before God. He's recognizing God's at work. And he says in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The glorious Father, the God who gives wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, we've already been told we're sealed with the spirit back in verse 14. And Jesus said in John, it's recorded in John 14, 26, Jesus tells the followers, his followers, that he's going, when he goes to the Father, the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit in his name. Jesus is going to go away, but the Holy Spirit's going to come in the name of Jesus and teach them all things. Jesus has been teaching them. When the Spirit comes, you remind them of those things and teach them more. And verse 16 of John, chapter 16, verse 8 says, The Spirit is the counsellor. The counsellor who will convict of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness and judgment. The Spirit will help us to understand, to know we are guilty because of our sin, because we're not righteous, we're not like, like God and God judges all. And so the spirit is going to cause us to be humble and see the great need of Jesus and the continuing need of Jesus every day dependent on Jesus. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And John chapter 16 verse 13, it goes on to say, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. And Paul's prayer here is that the spirit, that spirit, may continue to work in them, growing them, transforming them, changing them, continue to give them the right mindset to look at life and ministry. And verse 17 goes on to say more about that. The last part of verse 17, all those things that you may know him better. You may know him better. God revealing himself that we may know God and his son Jesus Christ, God made man. And this knowledge is going to come as we listen and learn from God. We keep recognising that we don't know all things. Yes, we've had lots of ministry experiences, we have a lot of life experience, yes, we know this, yes, we know that, but we don't know all things. And we keep listening and learning from God. We keep relying on him. And our service then is in faith, in trust, and our service is love. Loving God, wanting to please him, and loving all the others who belong to Jesus Christ especially. So that's Paul's thanksgiving. But Then he goes on to talk about the hope to which you are called. In verses 18, he talks about the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Your mind or your understanding, your inner inner awareness may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which you were called, the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. The assurance that we have of eternal life, guaranteed by the possession of the Holy Spirit, back in verse 14, who seals us. And sealing is a mark of ownership, a guarantee of quality. You know, you and I are still in a body that's aging. You know, I'm getting too near retirement age. Ooh, tread. Uh, less than twelve months. Past the milestone. Ancient. Some people who are past that tell me it's not so bad. He gets through it. I've got to get over there. But we're all aging. And and we all not just aging, but we continue to see horrible things where people don't just, you know die because they're old age but they can pass away at younger ages. And what value do we place on eternal life? And what is eternal life? It means never ending life and never ending life not just in this world with all its chopping and changing and difficulties and struggles and uncertainties but never ending life in that perfect place heaven under God's rule where Jesus is there and Jesus will be seen by all and we will all have just great joy and peace, and there'll be singing, and there'll be just dancing and joy and happiness, and life will be full, full of God, full of all the wonder and glory and majesty of God. And eternal life is something worth having. Now, if you were, if you were to suddenly receive an inheritance... You know, Say someone passed away and, and you, you didn't, you now maybe they were a relative, but for some reason they really thought you were special and they wrote in their will and gave you, you know, several hundred thousand dollars and you suddenly get this inheritance of several hundred thousand dollars. Would it make any difference to who you are and what you did? It could make a bit of a difference, couldn't it? Pay some bills, could give you new direction in life, could do lots of things. And you'd recognise that inheritance. You'd want to say thanks to that person in some way or they passed away, but thanks to their family or or in your mind say thanks anyway. But you would use it and recognise you've got something. Well, it says here that we have an inheritance in eternal life and we have it right now. We've been sealed with the Spirit. It's our guarantee that when 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 this body stops, we're going to heaven. It's an inheritance that's guaranteed for us. But what difference has it made right now in our day-to-day life? What difference should it make or can it make? It's the greatest thing that anyone could have. Money cannot buy this. The richest man, billions of dollars, can't buy eternal life. And we have it. And we have that perfect place to be with God forever, to look forward to. You know, they saying the best in life is not in the past. The best in life is yet to come. It's going to be in heaven. Your best moment, your best day up to day, up till now, every moment is going to be like that in heaven. I really have trouble getting my mind around that. But it's true. And What difference does that make to our living? What difference does it make to then things that go wrong and disappoint us? Well, on the, on the scale of, of you know, having eternal life compared to what's going on here, they're, they're trivial, aren't they? Uh, should we be so distraught and distressed by things going wrong? Uh, we, it doesn't mean we can't try and fix them and stuff and shouldn't pray to God, but in the end they shouldn't maybe overcome us where they can. What does having eternal life mean to all of us? It's something that we should go away and ponder more. And I think it will impact how we go this year in our service, in what we do, and how we go when challenges come. He goes on then to talk in verse 19. He wants them to understand God's incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. God's life-changing power. God's transforming power. Now, transforming Jesus from being dead to eternal life and putting him at the right hand of God, that the position of highest honour and authority in all the universe. And he's far above every rule and authority. Even people think of supernatural things, but they may concede. But Jesus, they're nothing. Jesus is above everything and everyone. He's the one to come. It refers to God's kingdom coming. And we pray that every time we say the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom or your kingdom come. We're asking God's kingdom to come on earth where Jesus is ruling and in control. and As we saw d- during Jesus' life, he's someone who adds compassion, he's someone who understands and he responds. And he responded with a word telling the leper, you're healed or the blind person you can see or the deaf person you can hear and just so on and so on and so on. And he's the one who's going to be in charge. He's the one who's ruling. He's the one who's going to make it the perfect place to be. So, going forward, right focus on living is vital for all of us as we serve our God. You know, the first commandment is I am the Lord your God, you'll have no other gods before me. And we're either going to worship God or we'll end up worshiping something else. Because there's going to be no alternative to worship, because we're going to want our significance and security in something. Our significance, who we are, and our security for the future in something. And either they're in God and His Son Jesus Christ, or they'll be in money, or they'll be in family, or they'll be in position, or they'll be in whatever, whatever, whatever. And let's be people who take that first commandment seriously. And worship only God. Have our significance and security in God. And everything else we can have, well, that's just a bonus. Doesn't mean we can't enjoy it, but we don't let it overtake and control us because we focus our life on God. And we're going to be people who live our lives for Jesus. And as we continue to serve God and his people giving thanks to Jesus Christ for what he's done for us. Let's let the goal of our service, that God will say what's recorded in the parable in Matthew 25, 21, where the servants come and the servants who've done the right thing, the master, or in its analogy for God, says, well done, good and faithful servant. My goal in life, I hope it's yours too, is when we get to heaven, we stand before the judgment throne, And God will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. That's all we need. That's all I want to do is just please the audience of one, God my creator. What about you?